Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And as usual, I want to mention Todd and the toolboxes, sobriety discussions, and your body on booze. These are modules he's created to help you guys build a toolbox. I want to mention IAS, I Am Sober, where we got sober. Uh, Peanut and I, who's here with me. And then I want to mention another really cool community called Boom, Rethink the Drink. Uh, I'm going to be doing some things with Weaned Victory, who is the owner and creator of Boom, Rethink the Drink. It's a really cool community. So me and Peanut, Peanut, say hi. Hi. Oh, it's Peanut and I, to be proper, right? I'm not Peanut. grammatically correct. You know that. <laughs> so... We've been talking for a while about um, how we both have been manic and then, but I, I want to like show people what a success um, these communities are. So we're just going to kind of go through your, your therapy history, kind of right. Your recovery history, therapy history. Is that how yeah. you, we can how say How much it? time do you have? No, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a quick, quick synopsis. Um, I was trying to actually remember this morning when I first started in therapy. And I think in elementary and middle school, I was put in some therapy groups, uh, probably by those little questionnaires they ask you and you know health class you know do you have anybody in your family who drinks is, is anybody ever angry in your family do people yell kind of what now I think they call the uh, PBIS so it's like behavioral systems and then through high school uh, we uh, my family and I really didn't you know I come from my family comes from back east and therapy was nothing that was acceptable um, and we came I think we discussed this we came from a rug sweeping family you know anything that would happen sweep it under the rug and it goes away um, like the dust bunny and it was probably in college um, I started to it was more okay to talk about emotions. I think I partied a lot too and maybe use substances and, and, you know, had different addictions. I don't know to maybe mask who I was or to have a reason to be the way I was. Was it an identity? I don't know. Um, but I got, um, my first arrest is when I got court order. That was in 1995 in Columbus, Ohio. And that was at a protest and um, it was pretty intense. And there was a lot of uh, police brutality. A lot of people got hurt. A lot of people got uh, thrown in jail. And it was strange for me because I was um, a Spiegelman. I was uh, a white girl from suburbia. Um, I had a father who protected me a lot. Um, he was very tight with all the police and authority in where I grew up. So if anything happened, he would be there and, and make sure it went away. And so he wasn't able to do that when I was in Columbus, Ohio, because he didn't know about it. And so that was the first time that um, I had caught a charge. I caught three felonies that day. Um, and I was court ordered to get um, extensive therapy. Uh, I think it was, they called it anger management at the time. Um, because I had a um, assault on a police officer, assault on a police horse and disorderly conduct. 
which are were all felonies at the time. We can talk about the police force thing another time. Um, and so that was actually ironic because I was still underage. And when I left Ohio to come back to Colorado, I was still on anger management. So I had to get permission from my parents to go to these anger management courses. So these were essentially, you know, psychiatric courses required for me to, to fill this charge that I caught in Ohio that they didn't know about triple felony. So I did it. I did the anger management. Um, the whole time I was in anger management, I was still using, um, I was wearing the masks. I had several masks, um, partying a lot. I think I was working at a, at a bar at the time. Um, I dropped out of college and I came back and I was hitting it really hard. Um, still working at the bar. Then I caught, um, another two DUIs. This was in the early nineties. And then at that time I got what they call in Colorado. Um, Colorado is now worse than Massachusetts for DUIs. It was second after Massachusetts back in the day. So this is the, so it was 20, 25 years ago. Um, I was 20 when I got my first DUI. I got on track D and that's an extensive uh, 12 weeks of education, alcohol and um, addict uh, education. And then in addition to that, it's extensive group therapy. So that was really my first time in group therapy. Um, but I remember times I was so sick from using all the drugs and alcohol. I'd go and puke in the toilet and come back and beg my instructor to let me leave. And she'd be like, go ahead and leave. And you're going to jail. You're going to, you know, you're done. And so at this point I had three charges. Um, I wasn't able to finish out my therapy because I was partying too hard. Um, so I got thrown back and got, um, an ankle bracelet and this was in 1999. So imagine you'll love this. I was on lockdown in 1999. Um, the biggest party year of the time. And I, I mean, for me, the biggest party girl of the world, I was on lockdown in my parents' basement. Okay. None of my friends wanted to come see me. Nobody gave a shit about peanut, right? All these people who I had, you know, all the things we do, all these things for these people, get them all the things they need We fulfill their desires. And when you're down and out, are they there? No. So um, I had the choice at that time to either go and go to jail um, and do 90 days of a 180, or I could go um, and get an attorney and get on ankle bracelets. Of course, my daddy stepped in and he took me to, um, I'll give him, I'll, I'll edify him right now. Neil Good was his name. And uh, he went in, took me in and uh, they convinced them to put me on an ankle bracelet for three weeks instead of putting me in Denver County. And Denver County at the time was some serious shit. It was, it was worse than a prison. Um, and so daddy fixed that. And um, so, right. So you can see now why I judge Spiegelman, right? Do you see the similarities? right? Of who I, who I saw in her that I was. And so at that point, um, I'm trying to remember really how it all went. Um, I was still partying. I was still going for it. I was living on my own. Um, my hubby and I connected, we were partying hard. We were running with probably some of the same circles drifter might've been running with. We could, we, so peanut, you were going to these classes and you weren't really paying, you were hung over or uh, feeling like shit. You really weren't paying attention then, were you? Oh, I don't even think I was hung over. I was still high. I mean, I think what I would do is I would part, I'd work at the bar. And then, um, at the time Denver had the one thirty. right? We had the one thirty break off. So we'd finish the bar. We'd party all night. You'd go home and sleep all day. And then I, I did, I couldn't drive. Right. Cause I didn't have a license. They took it away from me. Um, so I'd have to have my dad 
this is insanity. I've had, I'd have my dad come pick me up from wherever I was and take me to these classes. And like, it was his, he was that dad, you know, whatever I needed, he would do. And he'd pay for these classes. Like my parents helped me. I was in my twenties, pay for all this shit. And, um, and I would literally be sick from the night before. I mean, I'm still, I'm presuming still high, right? Because it'd be like, you'd be on a, co- a brain cocktail as you know, you know, and it was, I mean, and there were times I was so sick. I mean, I think I was like on a, I was like rolling in on a speedball in the bathroom at therapy and like, please let me go. And she'd say, go ahead and you'll go back to jail and you're not going to do well in jail. Um, because you have a bad attitude, right? And it doesn't go well. And so that was, and then I started partying. It was pretty normal. I didn't do any therapy. Of course, you know, we're fine. We're partiers. This is our identity. This is who we are. We're great. You know, it's that that uh, ego or the grandiose uh, illusions of illusions of grandeur. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The illusions of grandeur. And so it was probably so it must. So now whoop, fast forward. OK, so that was in the 90s. OK, then um, that was 1999 Prince. Yeah. That, that was, woo, for those of you who weren't there. So then um, my hubby and I got together in um, 2004. Okay, so 90, so 2000 to 2003, whoa. And then, um, then we went, so 2004 to now, okay? Partied. We've always been together. We've been in this scene. Um, he, he took care of me. Um, so I think that's probably why I was okay. You know, the times I fell out, he was there to take me out, you know, he would drive me, um, he would take care of me, you know? And so, whereas if I didn't have a husband, um, and I was just running with the girls or the boys or whoever the heck you run with when you're down the black hole, um, I probably would have been dead or God knows what. But from 2004 to now, you've been through a lot of therapy. I have, um, actually, no, 2004 until 2013 no therapy okay i have my daughter 2013 i go really really dark um and it wasn't more it wasn't like it was more just things like wouldn't it be easier if they didn't have such a burden of me and you know that darkness starts coming in i'm thinking well i must just have postpartum you know so she had some hip dysplasia um i went deaf from being pregnant, you know, um, all, you know, I was having emotional problems. I thought it was just being a mom. So I go uh, a friend from the interweb. So here we go. This is the, this is the common thread, right. That we talk about. It was a gal I had met on a birth group. She's actually in um, Mississippi. And she said to me, you know, these thoughts aren't normal peanut. I think you need to get some help or and something are, like that. Was it they like th- suicidal thoughts? Yeah, I think, and you know, and I or just that so. I what I wasn't nobody was like I don't nobody loves me because I'm not worthy of anybody's love. Right, and I think I you know I've always I tried a couple you know I'd done a lot of drugs and I'd done a couple times like when I was on meth I wanted to go and do some things to myself but you know then I'm thinking oh, I was on meth everybody wants to kill themselves on meth you know everybody wants to kill somebody on meth you know so I'd come up with these reasons of why I had this darkness because of the drugs or alcohol so now I'm not on drugs and alcohol I have a baby what's wrong with me. Well, it must just be postpartum because that's pretty normal, right? So I go to the, the the psychologist and it was because a friend said, you know, this isn't normal. And I remember my mom said, you know, you are always a really happy baby and you're always really happy. So I know this isn't you. 
But really no one said like, you're not okay, D, you need to go get help. Like those were really, the, they kind of said it in an offhand way. And, you know, so that's like we say now, you just got to ask somebody, hey, Drift, are you okay, bro? You know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, you were happy back in the day. What's wrong? You know? And so I went and she said, you know, after a couple sessions, she said, you know, you're not just, you know, depressed because you had a baby. She's like, you've got severe depression and you've got severe anxiety and you've got X, Y, Z down on the line. Um, and I don't think I was really using at the time. So I'd been pretty clean at that point. I think I'd been clean like 18 months after I had my daughter. So that so was 2013. So that's 2014. Then. Yeah. Let's come up to 2014. And then I got surgery on my ear on 2015, but I was going deaf. And when you go deaf, you kind of go insane because your brain is doing all these things. So I thought maybe the deafness made me insane. And then I remember she said to me one time, still going to the same, same psychologist. She was awesome awesome. But I called like 25 people. They were all booked. And she was like, one of the only people who was like, I can get you in. And the lady's like, I got two ladies. One, um, her name's Merle. She's really sweet. She's super soft. She's, she's cuddly. The other lady's Judy. She's kind of a hard ass, but she'll tell you what you need to hear. Who do you want to sign in? in? Uh, I said, Judy. And she goes, we have an appointment tomorrow. Can you come? And I said, oh shit. So I went. And then so a couple months into it, she said, so tell me when, you know, the self-hatred happened, right? And I'm thinking, you know, most of my stuff happened when I was using, right? I'm thinking party a lot. You do a lot of drugs. It messes up your brain. And I said, well, probably when I was in elementary, right? Like I was telling you, I went, I thought I had anger problems and now I can't remember really what happened in elementary. And I said, I hated myself probably, I don't know, third grade. She goes, you know, that's not normal. You know, kids don't hate themselves. That's somebody else's stuff on you. Who in your family hated themselves? And that was a huge light bulb moment, but I didn't get sober till well after that. And that's when my daughter told me that she hated herself. And I think she was seven. See, now I'm going to get weepy on you. But it wasn't until I got sober that I really was ready to heal. And so with her at seven, that was like 2020. It was. Um, you know, I had a 2018 till about 2020. It was real bad, real bad. Um, and, and you were and doing a lot doing, of a lot of therapy, right? A lot of therapy, a lot of drugs, a lot of, drugs. A lot of medication. But again, it's like we said, you know, I wasn't 100 percent honest about, you know, can you heal? Can you be ready to heal if you're still using drugs and alcohol? So, I mean, was I really healing? I mean, it's kind of like when I was going to the court ordered therapy, still drunk. You know, if you're if you go to therapy in the morning and go get hammered or you're still hungover, you're not in a mind state. You're still numb. You know, you still have alcohol on the brain. So you're not taking it in. So it was when I got sober, I, I hadn't seen her in a while. And I went back and she says, well, what's changed? You know, because she's a hard ass. And I said, well, I'm sober now. And she goes, now we can do some healing. So was this after. uh your daughter told you that she hates herself is when you went back? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was probably a year or two after that. Uh, I was still drinking really hard then. Um, it was a pandemic. Um, I had looked everywhere. She was having some bullying situations. I mean, I'm sure it was me. I'm sure she's taking in the energy of my, my messed up ways. And my husband and I were fighting and we were partying way hard. Um, so the energy was just off and she was having a hard time at school. But I'll tell you now that we're good and I'm not drinking. School's great. She's not having any of those hateful feelings. So well, we can, we can just even put a word in right there right now about that, because we just had her on. We just did a podcast with bug. And then um, 
Dan Bear Cub, my granddaughter, and you can tell this girl is thriving right now, just so, so everybody knows. Right. right. And and even just to see the girls and how smart they are. And like we say, I mean, and you know, you've said your the whole energy of the home changes when you're sober. Everything changes. And you know, it was then when, and then I had told you guys, I went and I, I went to my psychologist and she's like, you know, you're fine now. Um, we can test you again. Like you're pretty much good. I'd like to test you in another year, but as far as I'm concerned, you're fine. Have a nice and that's, day. And you call that being fired. She fired me. And I, and I said to you, I said, um, you know, my husband and I were talking about, I'm a cash cow baby. Like I've got tons of issues. Like I can fill your pockets for years. Right. But she said, no, you're fine. What you need to do now is go get your brain fixed. You have trauma stuck in your body and in your brain. So when something happens, it takes you back to that PTSD moment or moments. Yeah, whatever the trigger is in your brain, you remember when that happened to you and you were in second grade and you flare up. And that's the mania. So and all this time you've been living in those because I was living in mania and didn't even know it, going from really low lows to really high highs to really low lows. And so that's kind of like when we met, huh? So have you during 20 up until that point where you going really high and going really low? You know, it's it's a oh, did you know you, you, did you notice know. it? I don't know because I think when you're using to such a level of any alcohol, drugs, whatever your vice is, you know, whatever the thing is that you can't control or people have a problem with, or like we said, you're protecting or you're hiding. So, you know, we, we chase that up and down the up, the dopamine rise. Right. And so like, you know, it's boom, boom. And so I think, I don't know, because I think I was getting really hot. Of course I get totally high and drop low, but I just thought it was the drugs and alcohol. Right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it was mania, what it was. I'll tell you, when I got to IES, I thought I only had to, I didn't even know about any of this stuff. And I thought all I had to do was quit drinking and that was going to fix all of it. That's right. And I, like I said to you guys, I said it was a cure-all because I was so proud of myself that I just didn't pick up. But, and I've always had crazy emotions. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm discovering new emotions. It was like, oh, it was like, like we talked about earlier, it was almost stepping, not disassociating where I'm, you know, out of myself, but it's just stepping aside and seeing that. And actually like hearing a dialogue, like I told you, I was in the shower saying, you're going to have to speak to these people about the issue. What are you going to say? How are you going to handle it? Whereas before I would have just come out of the shower, just started screaming and run away or, 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 you know, whatever the thing was that day, you know? So you get into IAS, you start um, posting and me too. And that's helping us. I, I, I started becoming familiar with more of myself and it, I got, a, I didn't even have cravings. My cravings were over pretty quick, but then I realized I had all of a sudden these emotions were like swamping me and I'm like, Oh shit, I got to deal with emotions and then behaviors. So I started learning about that. When did, did, is, did you start noticing that too? I really did. And, you know, with that too, I think it's when you start posting and everybody, and this is kind of the, the story of IAS. So I'm, I loaded it, I downloaded it for the counter and I started counting and then I see there's a community and then you start posting and then people start coming and saying, Hey, peanut, you're killing it. Why don't you come to a zoom do this? And so then you've got to kind of say, Oh my God, 
God, somebody loves me. Well, maybe I should love myself. No, 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 no. You're a piece of shit. Like you've always been this, you know, you've been all these things you've been told your whole life and all these diagnoses and, you know, whatever, who said this and all these people that trigger you have launched your brain with all these concepts. And so then it starts to go, well, gosh, you know, if Drifter is so cool and he thinks I'm pretty cool, well, maybe I'm okay. And then you've got to kind of start battling against these things. And so then it's like, well, you know, they invited me to a, a Zoom. Well, why not? You know, because going to the shrink for the last 16 years hasn't saved me. Maybe a Zoom will. And then you go to the Zoom and people are so loving and, 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 and just incredibly giving. Well, let's make a point right there, because here you are. The psychiatrist is saying, I'm done with you. You're fired or you're fixed. She's telling you you're fixed, but you're not fixed and you know it. Right. Right. I'm not fixed because now that I'm working on myself, now that, like you said, once you start getting in there, um, I'm meditating, I'm doing everything, I'm reading about, you know, trauma and my brain and this. And then once you start getting in there and digging, all this stuff's coming up. And I say, oh my gosh, what are these images? What's this PTSD? Why am I doing this? I remember I came off a Zoom one time. Was well, it, let's um, talk about the first time that you went to a Zoom. Let's do that. The first time I went to a Zoom, my daughter and my husband went skiing with the in-laws, okay? So I wasn't going to go. And I said, I'm going to go to a Zoom, okay? I was sober for three months before I got on IAS, uh, white knuckling to the max and having, well, I thought were anxiety attacks, but I think they are. They were manics now because I was just so up, up bipolar, up, down, up, down. And um, so I got, I said, I'm going to go. And I'm actually right now, I'm thinking I'm sweating right now. And I'm having right here, I'm having a visceral reaction telling you the story. Okay. okay. So breathe, breathe deep. <laughs> did you see that? Did you see that? How that started to go up? I, I did. But here's the cool thing is you're seeing that you're starting to go up. Yeah. And, and instead of you keep climbing, right? You're going up and then you're bringing it back. And it was actually, like we said, not disassociating where I'm flying out of my body and I'm just doing whatever. I'm actually stepping out of that storm window, right? I'm going to step inside the house, look out to the storm. I'm safe. So I go in and it's pretty weird. I mean, I think when you first go into the Zoom, you don't really know what's going on because you're rushing and then everybody's doing their intros and you're just waiting to say, what am I going to say on the intro? Oh my God, am I going to be weird? And am I going to be cute? Am I going to be funny? Right. I'm going into mascot mode. You know, I want to make sure I look, you know, I, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to look good. Um, I'm not going to like do my hair or my makeup or put on a bra. I'm just going to go, you know, and then this is going to be a safe spot. And then we got breakout. And this is the, the legendary story of all time. When we're rich and famous, you'll hear it. My breakout was not only then Drifter, my first, and we call it the breakdown room now, right? We used to call them breakout, but it's a breakdown. And I was shaking um, and I was crying, remember? And we it was Drifter, Fresh at 40, Coach A and Helen and me. And two seconds into the meeting, before we could even say, hey, um, Coach threw her actual cell phone in the chat. Anytime, hit me up. Fresh said, give me your email and gave me hers. And um, I mean, we, I think for me, I disclosed in that room, Drifter disclosed, we are all disclosing. We left, we are all crying and we came back. And then, you know, whenever you come back from the breakdown, they say, how was the room? And we were floating, but crying. I mean, I'm feeling better. Now I'm feeling like the bliss of the share, you know? So it's that again, it's an up down. Now the bliss is kind of washing over me. I'm still sweating, but 
And I said, wow. And I just remember, and then um, Fresh is like, you have to go post because then we'll be able to find you. And I can, I'll have to find the um, the post. Let me see if I can find it. And just said, wow, that was the most amazing. And you know what I've been in, and like I told you guys, and you guys know, I've been in a lot of therapy in my life, a lot of groups. And oh, I should probably try to figure out how much I've done in my life. Um, but I've never felt that kind of connection. And, you know, we talk about, you know, do we dwell on the past? And do we, do we, you know, pinpoint our trauma and, you know, how many times I was here that day, did you recognize that you were, you went really high? I remember that day really well, because I I stayed on after it with a couple of people. And then we talked a little bit and I was still like manic because I was, I went, I don't know if you could tell, but I was going manic that day. Well, and you were in your truck and I said, um, so it was April 3rd. Okay. This is April 3rd, 2021. I was two months sober. OMG. That meeting was awesome. Especially my breakout group, fresh drifter, Helen and coach a, my intention was not to break down immediately, but I do appreciate the safe spot. I had to fall appreciate the kindness and hope so much gratitude for all of you. And you know what? Um, you know, that was the first time I really felt seen. Um, and I think it was because, like you said, like I made the choice to be there. No one told me to, not my shrink, not my PO, not my daddy, not my husband, you know, and that's, and, and I know this is like kind of like out there, but you know, that kind of shows you that like we are here for a purpose and that for some reason we were all brought here at this time to get sober and, um, you know, we were talking about like just even being here. Like if anybody would have ever told me anything about myself, like, Oh, Hey, are you having a manic? I would have just cut everybody off and said goodbye. That's what an old peanut would have said. I would have deleted. I would have, dri- I would have done the drifter. I would have deleted and said goodbye. Um, and even my hubby said that he's like, dude, you like, you have changed drifters change. Like you guys are changing each other. Like this is what these communities do. And so you, you, but you did notice that when you went to zooms um, and I don't know if it was that time, but you were going really high and crashing. Right? Um, no. Did you stop going to zooms for a while? I did. Um, I didn't know that's what I was doing because I just thought that was who I was. Um, I didn't know that was something I had control over. I didn't know that I could step into the house and look at the storm and be safe. Um, And I did, because every time I would go to a Zoom, I would get, I'm quoting here for those who can, teamed up on and triggered. And every time I would go, I would be a victim. And anytime anybody would say anything, it was a direct and personal attack on me. And I had no idea that that was going on. Um, And, you know, and sometimes we could probably tell the stories and you guys would say, you know what, peanut, you got attacked. And then there were other times like um, 10 seconds would say, you know, you go in there and you're kind of battling, battling for people who don't have a voice. So there's some strong people in there who have really intense opinions and there's people who are, you know, marginalized and they won't say anything. So I would go remember, and I would go in and battle for people who wouldn't say anything. And then I'd be pissed at X, Y, Z, because they didn't thank me for battling in the zoom. (laughs) I mean, it's a mental giant, right? You know, and, and you, and people would say, you know, peanut, you can go and hold space. You don't have to do the peanut show. 
But don't they want to see the peanut show? It's so awesome. No, they want to see someone who's soft and kind. And the peanut show isn't the person who's telling you about my 25 or 35 years of horrendous stories. Like, like you said, some people don't even believe these stories and they can't handle it. They don't want to know. And you know what? People don't want to dwell on the past and they don't want to live in pain. So that's well, what some, inspired is. Some, some of, the, some of um, our trauma is so intense. It's, it just triggers other people. Um, there's a lot of people that they're not ready for that. No. Hell, we weren't even ready for the Zooms and we were trying to work through them. But I have to say, I think the Zooms really, really advance my my journey, my sobriety. I, I definitely don't think so. And I know King always says, you know, the, the times you don't think you need to go to the Zoom is the time you need to be to the Zoom. You know, the times when you are black, you know, black and dark and weak and bleak and you see no out, that's where you have to go to the Zoom. You have to connect. And it's not just the text or the telegram. They're great, but you have to do the looking at someone, you know, you have to have the breakdown. You That's the connection. And it's got to be of like minds of people who are doing it on their own. So how do we do that? I mean, maybe so that you, is the, the Spiegelman rewired, knowing that you're not tied to that label or who you were then is not you now. You were able to get to the point where you couldn't go to Zooms and then you were able to start going to Zooms and then you weren't going really high and crashing anymore emotionally, were you? No. And you know why though? That's because you believed in us and I'm going to edify you right here. Well, because I don't know about all that. But... No, no. See, you have to take the compliment. See, you just did. Well, you have to take the compliment. We're a team. <laughs> yeah. No, right? um, it, it was because you believed in us and we saw in you someone who, and, and like you said, we've said it before and I'm, I'm kind of stealing this, you know, we were supposed to be statistics but we're not anymore. And we have rewired. And because you believed in us and it was because you said, and, and, and you've got to take the compliment. I'm going to but, throw this compliment still, at The Zoom started, um, the first Zooms were with uh, Raulito and um, right. Chef and those guys. That's where we got introduced to Zoom. Right. And that's, I, I and I did jump that a little bit. Those Zooms, those Zooms showed us that we could go somewhere be real, however that was. Tell our true story and people would still love us. You know, people would say, Drifter, that was an awesome story. Thanks for sharing, bro. Or damn, dude, can you go post that? Or, you know, I would have, I would do the manics. Remember, I'd scream and cry, slam back down and I'd be so vulnerable and embarrassed. And, and, and they go- That's what I'm talking about. But those Zooms, those non, those unofficial IS Zooms were the starting point for you and for me. They were. And if that's the one thing we can tell people is it really is a place to come and I want to say feel love, get a, get a, be heard. Um, I remember we were in that group with Laura M that said it's like you find a heart circle. It's you find and, and people really do love you and say, we want you to come back. And they say, you know, that was okay. You did that peanut. And I go, oh my God, that was embarrassing. And did you see when I flipped out and they go, thank you. Or remember that one I flipped out, I flipped out on two people and I think it was a Tuesday night. And then another gal reached out to me and she said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that so-and-so was on the call and she was really appreciative that you flipped out on them because she didn't know what to say. 
you know? <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, well, you know, I had a breakdown, but I helped somebody. And so then that goes back to what we said before. What kind of person are you? Are you the person that has a breakdown and you want to just make your message heard by the screams and the FUs? Or are you the person who wants to grow and change and reach people with love? So you know, here's what those Zooms did. It spotlighted these manic episodes, really. They did. And I think I told you, um, and I remember one time I, I did a Zoom and I thought I, I thought I killed it. All right. Think of this. This is my ego. I nailed that Zoom. I was on. I was all over it. I was saving lives. I was right. This is the ego. Right. This is the manic coming up. And I got off the Zoom and I was like, I nailed it. And I came out and I said, what do you think, guys? And my daughter said, you're acting really weird. What's wrong with you? <laughs> she goes, you're acting like really like sassy. She said, you're acting sassy. And I was like, oh, really? Like, and, and they're both like, yeah, okay. Like, and even like my hubby said, we, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about like looking at yourself. And he goes, I really wish people could just see the peanut that I know because she's really awesome. Like she's, she's pretty great. And so whatever that one is that, and he was like, we were saying like the Spiegelman, like whoever that one is that puts on that mask and is like the, you know, the protector, right. I'm protecting myself from trauma or whatever the thing is, you know? And so, um, and you know, that was another thing that King said, you know, maybe we could all look at ourselves and see this new person and say, you know, she's a great lady. I'd like to get to know her. And that's maybe the hopeful message in sobriety is that, you do get to see the things and you're open to hearing the things because before there's no way D, I would have been here with you. If you would have told, I was like, well, who is he to tell me I'm manic? Like he's not my shrink, you know? I mean, <laughs> right. Or like, you know, like, or I even said to Dom, I said, this is, you know, he's one of the craziest dudes I know. And now he thinks I'm crazy. Like what? <laughs> well, I, I see myself in you. I really right. do. So and, and I was on a Zoom. I was in a group. We decided we were going to have, it was a private Zoom. We went into the private Zoom and then a switch was flipped. This ultra ego popped out. Dr. Uh, Mr. Jekyll popped out. I was a smart ass. I was insensitive. Um, when we got off the Zoom and I could feel myself, I even told myself I wasn't going to go manic because I knew I was going manic at this time and I couldn't even control it then. I didn't have the tools. I got off the Zoom and Miss D was like, who the hell was that? <laughs> All right. I'm like, see, I told you, this is what happens to me. Something in me, a, a switch flips and I become this other person right. that, that isn't me. And how close, I'm curious, how close is that manic person to your drunk person? Um, are, are they the same? Are they two different? They're two different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this, I, I think this, this person is more like, um, it's my survival mode. Right. Right. It's from, and I've, I've really looked back and I've checked this out. I've really thought it through and it started at an early age going into like juvenile detention centers. I learned these other personalities to where, uh, I would just become this other person where nothing could really hurt me. And I, I wonder, and I actually, I don't wonder, I know there's a lot of people that have that, you know, that, and it's almost, we talk a lot about armor in the arena, but it's, 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 it's a type of armor, you know, and um, I used to get what I thought was really excited. 
And so I get, and it, and I'm sure it's a manic anxiety, manic, boom, boom, boom. And then I drop off and there'd be times where we'd have plans to go somewhere. And I get so crazed during the day that like, I just be sick and we couldn't even go out at night. You know, okay, let me explain a little bit how that works because I've been studying this. Love it. Like a, like a sign, uh, electrical sign at, at 60 Hertz, it goes up 60 and then down and it cycles back and forth. Most people stay, their emotions stay within that, that up and down, kind of a centered, right? The hypomania and mania, we shoot sky high. We just blow the roof right off, off that sign. And our emotions go sky high. We're above levels that normal people never even experience. And there's a, there's a, we pay consequences for that because really high highs like that we end up going into really real lows on the other end of it. And that's what I was doing. I was going into high highs and then into depression that could take me out a couple of days, a week, two weeks at a time. It would take me to recuperate. Oh, and it, it's just brutal. And, um, and it's just strange that, you know, it took, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's just that. So this is what, this is what is really, really cool. Yeah. So you've gone from, uh, going into these hypomania modes, really high, really low to where now you're leading zooms. You know, I, and even it was, we were sitting in the zoom the other day and, um, sober, I thrive said, you've just, you've changed in the last, you know, however, 10 weeks that we've been doing this and I'll check in as I'm doing zooms or even today, as we've been talking, you know, my hubby will come by and just like thumbs up, you're doing good. Um, and just to even be open to people, to people giving praise, giving notes, giving, um, and, and that's what a normal society should be, I would think. But I wonder, I mean, and, and I know we talked about it before, it doesn't matter why or how we got here or all the things that happened to us to make us the person that we were, um, but how we move forward. And I think that really is the rewired program. And I, I love that Spiegelman has a whole soul makeover because I feel like we are completely changing. We're becoming who we weren't. You know, we're not a statistic anymore. I mean, and same thing from who all, all the things that you were told in your life and not even told in your life, all the things you and I have told ourselves in our lives to be here. Well, I, I've been, my behaviors, I didn't even know I had a behavioral problem. I had no idea. I only thought I had to stop drinking. I had no <laughs> idea that, and through IAS, it's been, it's been progressive. IAS, learning how to write things out, journal, was really, that was a huge for me because it made me think about what I was putting down. And it made me think about how I was using my brain because I was into the attic voice, mm -hmm. the neuroscience and all that right from the beginning. Did you and, think the hypomania or the behavioral issues was just your personality before you started studying it? Or did you think it was because of the past or because of your use? Or did you have a reason you thought it was? I, I've thought about that. You know what I used to tell people? Oh, that's just me. That's how I am. Deal right? with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, you know it, what? It, it's not me. No, because you know what? You're a super sweet guy. Yeah. Most of the time I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even, um, and that's what to actually kind of like we say, you know, when, when we can't make up for lost time, but we can certainly press to the future and 
I think we're doing it. I mean, I don't think we're anything that we were told we were, and I don't believe that we're anything we thought we were either anymore. But you're, here's, the, here's what's really that matters, Peanut, is you're pushing the boundaries. You're not waiting for somebody to fix you. You're working on it yourself. You're diving into material. You're finding material. You're diving into the rewired concepts. You're showing up on IAS. You're showing up at the rewired and you're and the giving back too. your recovery. First, the community is just, I think is what really changed me being connected to like-minded people because I'm able to like, Oh, well, I like what this person has, but no, I don't want to be like that. And I can pick and choose and make my own recovery system. So the community is number one to me. Then two is the recovery system, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever recovery system we're using, I like rewired. You like rewired. Uh, but I use a little bit of everything, actually. I, there's even parts of um, the 12 steps that I, I do like, and I look and I see them in my rearview mirror that j- they just happen organically. And I think the third thing is giving back. That's, that's If you do those three things, I just think that success is right in front of you. I agree. And I, I want to expand on those just a titch. <laughs> I think with that, um, in the community, it's, it's helping each other and it's being able to ask for help and giving help. And it's, um, one of the gals, she, she wrote do less. Her name's Kate Northrup. She's incredible. She talks about being helpable. And when you're helpable, you not only want to give help to people, but you, you accept help yourself. And that's what the community does. You know, if I'm low and sad, I can reach out to Drifter. If he's busy, I can, you know, reach out to King. If, you know, I can reach out to Sober I Thrive. And so that's a community part is so huge, that helpable aspect. And then I think also we are so right with the program, um, and, and really working all programs, like you said, it comes out organically. And I've had a lot of people ask me recently if I want to work the steps. And instead of thinking like, oh, well, you want me to work the steps? I'm thinking, wow, what an honorable thing that someone this incredible wants to work this with me and taking that gratitude. Um, and then also the right. love. I think, you know, the IES community and not only the program and meeting the community aspect and working that program but I think it's the love and, and that goes with the helping as well. Like I can give love to you, but I can't necessarily give it to myself and you are great at helping us, but you may not be great at helping yourself or, you know, you can talk to me all day about mania, 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 but we're talking about it with each other. And so I think that's so much of it. And, you know, we are, we're supposed to be in tribes and in communities and we've lost that and we're supposed to help each other but that's what the addiction does it isolates us it doesn't just isolate us from um our family it it isolates us from everything it isolates us from our families our jobs our communities spiritually it isolates us in every which way the opposite of addiction is connection i was like well that's a really funky saying what the fuck does that mean right Excuse or me. like, I got this, like, what are these people going to do for me that I can't do? Right. The ego. Oh, like I got this. And then it was like, literally, I thought I was so together. And then I would just like, and I'm sure that's part of the, the mania. I would just crack and be like, how the hell are these people cracking me? I don't even know these people. Like, 
how do they get through to me? And it's, you said, it's that common thread of, and, and knowing that we are all here for the purpose. And for some reason, we're all connecting on this universe at this time. I mean, that's pretty. So I started a podcast off, wanted to talk about this because the mania, now you're thriving and I'm not knocking therapy, but now you're thriving in your own, basically your own recovery system while you're using the rewired, but still up until this point, um, you've just relied on the community pretty much posting and being involved with everybody. Yeah. I mean, and I, this is good. Please don't think I'm well, I'm not insane. I'm not insane anymore. Um, the community saved me. Um, and just knowing that uh, people care about you and that people actually show value in you and that especially people like we talked about people who have been through tragedies you know their hearts have been just broken open and so it's almost broken open to just give this compassion and so there's just such a common thread of love and humanity and acceptance and, and no you see that person back in the darkness and that fighting their way out of the trenches. I don't know about you, but I remember being right there. God, please help me. I, I don't want to be in this vicious cycle anymore. My heart really goes out to those people. And oh, and it's brutal. It's brutal. And if, if you could just say, please, please just go to one Zoom. Just go, you know, and that's, and Hound said it. She goes, the, the goal of everything is not for you to be the best rewired facilitator in all of the world. The goal is for you to get somebody to the room, get them to the Zoom, they'll meet somebody or they'll hear a story or somebody will rip their heart right out, you know, and you'll find that connection. And I have yet out of how many people we've been in contact with, thousands and thousands of people, I have yet to have anybody say, you know, those Zooms really sucked. I didn't get anything from it. Never. It's always, oh my gosh, that was so incredible. Did you hear what he said? Did you see what she did? Oh my God, I love her. People have, have bonded and had actual, I mean, they're meeting all over the world. They're having friendships. They're, they're, cha they're changing themselves in the world. Um, we get sober with IAS and then we start, the Zooms really start help. They help us work on ourselves. And then right. even for people in their early sobriety, it's a place to go get tools. What are these other people? Is it, this connection thing that I used to like hate is probably the biggest thing that biggest revelation light bulb moment I think I've ever had. And I think, you know, we've always kind of, you know, in our addiction, you know, it's like you stand with me or you stand against me, you know, and you, you align with me or you know what's going to happen. And, but that's not how it is here in this community. I think we, we all are so determined to grow and become better and, you know, honor ourselves and each other in sobriety that we are, we will do nothing to stop at getting better. And that's why, you know, I'm, I struggle, as I said with you, with people who are like, I don't want to heal, whatever you, what are you going to do? I'm just me, you know? And like we said earlier, you know, that old peanut, the I'm just me peanut isn't going to help anybody. You know, the old peanut who's stuck in trauma and drama and wants to, you know, shock your face off with all my craziness and want to compare. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to one up your trauma because I'm always going to win. You know, right. I, I don't want to be that person anymore. So how do we do that? I mean, that's the rewiring and connecting and being able to sit here with you and have a discussion about things that I wanted to punch you in the face about, you know, a month ago. No, I mean, not a month ago, but you know what I mean? Three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> two, two well, weeks ago. And, 
Yeah, to actually, and, and to even us having a conversation about mania has led to me having a conversation with my husband. We've been together for 18 years. We've never discussed anything to this length. Now, is it because I met Drifter? Maybe. Is it because I'm sober? Maybe. Is it because of Spiegelman? Maybe. Or maybe it's just all the aligning of the higher power and I don't well, know. You're involved, you're involved, you're working on yourself. And what's really cool is it's bleeding over from you to your husband, to your daughter, to people around you. Just in your sobriety, the people that you're affecting, it, it's amazing how you just radiate out, right? It's first get sober, then start working on yourself and get involved with the community, get involved with the Zooms. Just don't freaking drink, right? Right. Don't drink. And then, you know, it's it's the being helpable, uh, opening yourself to love, um, opening, you know, on stage, they call it notes, right? And in uh, TV, they call it notes. You know, they give you notes about your performance and you say, thank you. You know, you've got to be open to the change. And I think we tout that a lot about, you know, growth mindset and evolution and we're constantly changing, but are we open to it? Okay. So with these mania events, you just cut yourself a while ago where you were starting to go high, higher than normal. And you were, uh, you were able to bring yourself back in. Yeah, I definitely noticed it more, but then the inner dialogue comes on like, well, you're just a passionate person. If they can't deal with it, you know what I mean? Well, what you just, you just have a lot of zest and you're excitable. Like what, you know? And so what, like we were talking the other day, you know, whenever you do something, you have that one second after you do it. And that's like your programming. Okay. And then that two seconds after that is who you really are. So when I go up, I, my, I immediately go, well, if Drifter doesn't like that, I'm passionate, what? But that's not really it. It's more just like, whoa, Dana, calm the fuck down. You know, you want, you get really excitable about whatever you're talking about. That's not, you know, and, and I think it really is like, I think I never learned how to, we never learned. I mean, I think it's probably generational, how to manage ourselves when we were younger. And they, my family just told me to shut the hell up. You know, you're to be seen and not heard. And so you can imagine if I was a kid going like, bing, bing, you know, and my dad was like, you know, I mean, I'm sure I just pushed it all down. And so then I started using, I think, to put to like validate why I was so insane, you know, and so I and so then that's why it became an identity. I mean, but, but now you're you're seeing, OK, here's for me, the first thing that I learned because um, I was talking with. Todd out of Australia about this a lot when I first was going through this and his, he was telling me about his dad and um, how his dad disconnects. Right. And so that's what I first started doing right away. If I felt myself going too high, I would, I was disconnecting. Then as I started reading more like calming the emotional storm Mm -hmm. reading some other books and okay what's going on with me what am i doing let me figure this out and it's taken a long time it didn't just happen overnight i think i was 11 months when i really started working on this and i'm 19 months now and i'm getting it down a lot better now i see myself going up and then instead of just like blocking off the emotion i tell myself okay that's high enough and i'm going to start coming back a little bit from it but then i don't let myself go all the way down and disconnect all the way because I want to be able to learn how to ride the waves, right? right. These emotional waves. And that's, um, I, I actually, I know we laugh about it, but that's when I first started getting sober, I did meditating 
because that was one of the only things I could really do to control my emotion. And um, so what I have to do now is I'm actually, instead of like, for me, if I disassociate too much, I just leave my body and I go right into mode. And it's like, I don't even know what's going on. So for me, it's almost like, all right, I feel it. I feel the, like I said, I'm starting to sweat now. I'm sweating. I'm starting to feel a little nervous. I'm getting shaky. Okay. Come on down. You're getting nervous because, you know, you're talking about something that's, you know, you you don't want to talk about or that you're told not to talk about and, you know, whatever the pattern was with that. And so I'm just kind of trying to um, watch it go by. Um, I think you've done a fabulous job with us talking today. I mean, you've really been on it. Well, and, and also just acknowledging, you know, imagine if back in the day, if you were upset, if you could have just said, hey, dad, I'm upset. Well, you didn't, you know, we did not do that. No, I, I mean, didn't. you and, and I think it might be generational. Like now the kids are getting better with it. My mama, I don't feel well. I remember Bub said uh, she's a squishy rock. When she feels weird, it's a squishy rock. Well, that's anxiety, you know, and it's pretty cool to think about it. And so for like when I go into my mode, right, I'll go into shutdown, just shut down. And so now I'll come out and go, hey, guys, I'm having a really to my family. OK, this is very weird. I've never done it. Okay, I've been with this guy for 18 years. I've got an almost my daughter's eight. She'll be nine in April, as you know. Um, and so I'll come out and go, hey, guys, this is so, I know this is going to sound strange. I'm 45 years old. Hey, guys, I'm having a really hard time today. I'm feeling a little low. I don't know why. Can you give me a little more compassion today? You know, because we're kind of funny and witty and sarcastic. But the days I'm feeling off, if you're witty and sarcastic with me, it just fucks me up. It's going to show throw my PTSD up. So, you know, and and they'll go, what's your problem? Are you mad? And I'll be like, no, I just need some compassion. And they'll go, "Okay," because if I run off and lock myself in the room, they're going to be like, well, she's pissed. And they'll come knocking like, are you pissed? What's wrong? And then I'll go boom and have an episode. By doing that, you're learning how to surf through it. Right. Basically. And just see it, you know, and like we said, you know, it's not getting hooked in the emotion. Give yourself the, you know, the two seconds to see which is your real thought. Give yourself the 90 seconds to get the, like we say, get the fuck out of the emotion, watch it go by and you'll be fine. Because if you get locked in for the 90 seconds, you know, once you go into that mania, man, like we said, I can keep that going for days. If I get pissed off enough at you, I will tear the world down. And and there's different things. I think my, my, hypomania episodes they're different than my ptsd episodes really my ptsd episodes are are more like flashes in my mind of my past right um right that's not what's happening with with my manic my hypo hypomanias my mom's um her and i've talked a lot about this and we think it's more hyper hypomania it's the lesser form of, of mania when I go into my hypomania, it's more like this ultra personality. So there's two, di- they're both different. Like what I went through the right. other day was a PTSD episode where I just get bombarded with flashes of my past. Right. Right. And it, and I can't stop it. Are you having emotions with that too? Or um, is it mostly head? It, it's mostly just, it, it, it try to, it sucks the energy out of me. It's more right. like de- depressive. Right. And then even when I went to sleep, uh, I slept for like three hours. It was all dreams about my brother who died of his addiction. So and then I woke up and but I knew what it was because I've been through it before, like a little over a year ago. It lasted like three or four days, I think it was. And I just I was like taking one breath at a time, just getting through it. And I and I think that's important for people to realize 
these emotions can be different emotions. It's not going to be the same emotion. Well, there's, for me, it's a distinct difference between my PTSD moments and my hypomania. And I know right now the difference between those two. And I guess maybe that's where I'm at. Um, I don't know the difference. Um, but you're, that's something that you can pay attention to. Now. It is. And I, I don't think it, it's, I've only admitted that I've had a mania in the last two weeks. So now, um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I guess maybe that's the thing too, that I wanted to talk with you about is, you know, it's okay. Or isn't it okay that we may not know? that we have these emotions, that things are coming up. And that's why I kind of get in um, to the describing because, um, you know, sometimes we get so into our head, we get the overwhelm, you know, and like we said, I I want to know the answers and all the, why this and how that, but for me, I, that just makes me more messed up to want to know why or how. So I have to just say, I'm having, you know, a tight chest. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I'm sweating. Okay. That's moved. Now the, the chest is gone. The sweating slowed down. Now I'm getting a hot, you know, a hot face, you know, I, I think anything that's outside of the normal sine wave, you know, uh, the 60 Hertz sine sine wave, right. Anything outside of that, I think, you may want to figure out what's going on. Right. And I think that really goes back. So this is probably like the overarching theme is listening to yourself. You know, how many times have we told ourselves or used drugs or alcohol to suppress, you know, or maybe a parent told us, shut up, don't listen to that. You know, oh, you don't, you're not sick. You're fine. Oh, you, you know, you're just a cry, you know, so just listening to yourself. And even if it's sitting and saying, you know, or I saw one really cute thing that said, if you can't listen to yourself or you have a hard time connecting, you go and say like, my name's Peanut. Well, obviously that's your name, but then you go look at yourself, go, my name's Drifter. Well, I'm not Drifter and I know I'm not Drifter. So you start with small things to get in touch with yourself. And so I think I'm trying, I'm learning to see what, what is just normal peanut? What is me? What is manic? What is PTSD? What is disassociating? Um, You know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll get heady and leave my body, you know, and not want to deal with emotions. And so I'll just ice. And that's when I don't go to Zooms. That's when I start to isolate. That's when I start to go into the self-hatred. And um, and isolation, the is, uh, isolation is unhealthy. Look, I, this is what I see. A lot of people are, have been drinking for years. They right. shut. We have a lot of stuff that we've never dealt with. And then I'll, we quit drinking. And then like Viv talks about the emotional thaw. I mean, we've got all this stuff that we just have not, we've never dealt with. And my son has 47 days today, I think, and he's starting to go through some emotional thaw. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but this doesn't feel comfortable and it's not going to be comfortable. And, but we have to go through it. We can't get around it, but we have to start paying attention. Okay. What am I feeling? Where is this coming from? And I, I think finding books, listening to people, being involved, seeing what other people, has somebody else been through this? Uh, usually if you can, if you can like identify what you're going through, you can look it up online and, and then they have tools for you, especially YouTube. There's something for writing waves, uh, emotional waves. There's something out there where they'll tell you, show you how to get out of whatever emotion you're stuck in. Cause you don't want to be stuck in it. 
No, you can't be stuck. And that's also another great thing about the Zooms. You know, you'll pop onto a Zoom and you'll get, you know, if you just say, hey, you know, I've been feeling, you know, feeling bleak or I just, you know, I, I'm getting in the loop, you know, people will come up with a hundred different you know, things. Have you tried this? You know, if you're having a, an episode, try an ice pack on your vagus nerve, you know, try, um, you know, the sound waves at this, you know, I mean, and you will find people to give you all these tips, you know, and, or find someone you can talk to. And even if they don't have a tip, someone's going to say, you know what? Or like you said to me, I see you and me and we can help each other through this. And that's being helpable. That's and, saying, and that's I what you want and I, you to help me. We are literally helping each other out. Because yeah. I can definitely, even way back when, when you started telling me, because looking at you, I didn't know what you were going through until you started telling me. And then I'm like, oh, I'm doing the same thing as Peanut. Wow, that's crazy. I wonder if she knows that I'm doing the same thing. Because we're looking at us, each other, you probably had no idea that I was going sky high. Well, that's just who we are. You know, that's we're just... Yeah, we're just crazy. And, you know, it's funny because people will be like, oh, you totally, you totally seem, you know, you're fine. You're great. Well, that's what we were taught to do, to be fine and great with everything. We can hold the world on our shoulders. And that's the pressure of sobriety. You know, everybody's trying to hold it, hold it together on their own. And like in this world, you can't hold it on your own, man. You need a tribe. You need a wolf pack of people that you can reach out to. And if, you know, if you reach out to me and I piss you off, you got to be able to reach out to somebody else. You know, or if you're, you know, you need a soft person, maybe you don't reach out to me today or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's the cool thing is because like an IAS, you got everybody from around the world and you have different philosophies, different cultures. I stay connected with several people, one guy in Australia, a couple of people in, in um, England. You know, I work vampire hours, so they're awake when uh, everybody else is asleep. So I've got I've built a, my own little network my own little sober crew that I'm accountable to. And who would have thought that the old drifter would have had a crew that he could depend on when he needed them? Look, I could not even believe that I was on an internet platform, right? I hated the freaking internet. Oh my gosh. Then I got, then I had, that's something else that I had to adjust to was the internet. I can't, I tried Facebook. I lasted a week. I had to get off Facebook. But even being learning how to be vulnerable in what I wrote down and being vulnerable in the Zooms and being vulnerable with individuals, it's been, it's 20 months of one hell of a journey. Yeah. And, and I guess that, that is the, you know, the, the silver lining of all of these things. I mean, I feel good. I, I like to be able to step aside and watch myself. And go, you know, let's not flip out about that. Okay, cool. Or, hey, maybe you should mention that wasn't okay. All right, you know, and actually just, I mean, I feel like I'm a child learning again, how to communicate, how to, um, you know, be off, like we said, be authentic and be real. And that's another thing that we're doing. We're finding our authenticity. It is. And it's frightening because like we talked about, you know, um, I think for so long, I thought my identity was the manic or was the PTSD or the crazy clown. I mean, for a long time, people called me crazy peanut. And, um, you know, and I've been kind of coded as all these things. And I never saw myself as that. But I just don't think I knew who I was when I was on mask, you know, or um, even like when I think I'm I'm killing it. Well, who the heck thinks 
thinks they're killing it at a, at a sober zoom, like get over, you know? And so when we go into <laughs> that, um, I, you're not here to do a show. Yeah. To do a show for these people, like, come on lady, you know? And so just the ability to, to actually have a chance to, be self-aware and to be open to change and people, you know, helping you change is huge, is huge. Yeah, it is. I'm glad we did this today. Thank and, you so much. And I hope everybody gets out there and sees Bug and uh, Bear Cub too. Their talk, their little talk about um, addiction, which was really interesting coming from kids. But it, it was. And uh I've had, a, I've had feedback from it and it, most people are just like, wow, whoa. I mean, I, and just I, like this stumbling, they don't even know what to say. They are beyond. I, I haven't really heard any feedback yet because I've been working. And then today I, you know, everybody can be doing what we're doing. Peanut, everybody can dive in, get involved in your community, get involved in the zooms, give back, Figure out if, if you got, there's a lot of trauma and stuff, start working through it. Yep. Uh, and I think it's just, there's going to be one person. And so if that's, that's the little message, you know, go to one zoom, go to IAS, go to one post and find that person who speaks to you and latch on. Because like Steve-O said, you know, we'd love to help people. We love to rise people up. And, and instead of saying, you know, hurt people, hurt people, let's say healed people, heal people. Hey, man, I love that. Awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to close this out. Thank you, guys. I hope we made sense to everybody today. Um, thank you guys for joining us. And remember, pour the poison down the sink. Thank you, Peanut. Thank Tons you for you. being here for us, Drifter. We love you. <laughs> Bye-bye.